it became clear to me a few years ago, uh, maybe six, seven years ago, that, that crypto was going to revolutionize finance. Hi, I'm Adele. I'm Isa. And this is State of the Pod, live from Ithaca, New York. When you hear the word NFT, non-fungible token, what comes to mind? You might draw a blank or know a lot about it. If you've been anywhere on the internet these past few years, you might have heard this term mixed in with hasty investment advice about digital currencies, cryptocurrency, like Bitcoin and Ethereum. Today, we hope to guide you through what on earth an NFT is, its various applications, and scams. Cryptocurrencies are innovative technologies that many hoped would change the world, but in our capitalistic economy, many have fallen flat of those goals, in lieu of scandals and scams by the more fortunate hoping to make a quick buck. However, we may be able to reach them in the future. Before we get into all of that, we must start at the very beginning with how these technologies work. Stay tuned for an interview with the founder of the cryptocurrency Avalanche, aiming to become a major ethical player in the crypto space. So what are cryptocurrencies? Let me draw you a comparison. If your friend were to pay you back $20 USD in cash, you could go to the bank and deposit it. Then this money exists digitally in your bank account at that value, which only you can access. You could wire transfer this money to another account, and your bank would validate the transaction in a digital ledger, tracking that you have lost that amount and the other account gained it. Or you could withdraw this amount from an ATM. Cryptocurrencies validate your transaction in a similar way. In its very simplest form, cryptocurrencies operate on the blockchain which is a series of connected computers like your bank servers. It is a decentralized digital ledger that documents transactions. So rather than just your bank, thousands of computers around the world are anonymously validating your transactions and tracking them. Users have digital wallets, which host their currencies. If they pay someone, rather than in USD, they could use ETH. And the blockchain will facilitate that they lose that value and the other wallet gains it. This allows people to make financial transactions fully digitally, without oversight, and heavily encrypted. So, how could cryptocurrencies apply to the real world? These currencies could operate separate from banks and governments for those that distrust these institutions, have their own unstable currencies, or wish to hide their activities. They could change the way finance operates. Cryptocurrencies are fungible tokens on the blockchain meaning they can be easily replaced. Like a $20 bill swapped with another one still has the same value. NFTs, however, which we're covering in this episode, are non-fungible tokens, meaning they cannot be replaced. They are fully unique. It's as if you owned a unique painting. NFTs are assets that this network of computers validate that only you own and typically, they are digital pieces of art, so this comparison works well. But you'll come to learn that they could have many different applications. Again, this is a very simplified explanation of a technology that is still evolving, but we hope that this can help you understand how these systems operate, and we'll go further into the blockchain during the section about its environmental impact. 
My name is Emin Günsirer. I used to be a professor at Cornell for about 20 years, and uh, I am currently the CEO of Ava Labs. I'm also the founder of Ava Labs, uh, which launched the uh, the revolutionary Avalanche platform, uh, which is a, a revolutionary new blockchain that is far faster, of, of far higher capacity, and uh, and far easier to use than the ones that came before it. We spoke with Mr. Streer about NFTs, his cryptocurrency protocol, and more. First, we wanted to hear why he thinks NFTs are interesting. Uh, they're awesome because they represent what is to come. Let me expand on this. Okay, so um, so a lot of you have experimented with NFTs, I hope, and a lot of your audience probably knows what an NFT is. Um, but these days, they are typically just pictures that you buy and sell online that you get to possess digitally and you can send to other people, etc. So that's that's kind of a cool start. And uh, there is a lot of other technologies that are getting built around these, uh, these, these pictures that are essentially being bought and sold. Um, but let me share with you why I'm so excited about NFTs. And it's going to I think maybe be a little surprising. I'm excited because NFTs represent one-of-a-kind digital assets. I have a picture, for example, my profile picture is one-of-a-kind, right? And it's, I like it a lot. I put it up as my profile picture. It's kind of cute. Um, but um, what will happen as we move forward is we're going to find uses for NFT technology for dealing with other one-of-a-kind financial assets. You know what's a one-of-a-kind financial asset? Corporate debt is a one-of-a-kind financial asset. A particular corporation owes something to someone else. Uh, these financial transactions are one of a kind. They're unique. They, each and every one of these, uh, you know, documents, these commercial papers, are are onto themselves. So, uh, so I think they're going to be, uh, you know, the things we build around NFTs are going to go far, far beyond just pictures. And so we're, we, you and I are playing with them, I think. And uh, you know, they're fun to 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 send around. They're just cool, etc. But in addition, they portend this future where, you know, there's going to be a lot of other things that are one of a kind uh, that, that you take and possess in NFT form. And similarly, physical things like my car. I don't know why I have my car key. It's a silly thing to have. I should have an NFT to my car. I should open the door with my NFT. And if I give it to you, then you have my car, right? That's, so that's how it should be. As Mr. Trier has explained, NFTs have the potential to go beyond just pictures. It is an evolving technology. However, we want to go deeper into why so many people are buying NFT art. Critics argue that NFTs are useless because although the blockchain proves you own the digital picture, anyone can easily screenshot it and have it for themselves. There's the right-click save meme. I'm sure you guys have heard about this. So people make fun of, you know, you know there's always detractors. People who don't get it. You know, they look at this and they're like, ha, 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 I can right-click save your NFT. I right-click saved it. Well, good. Whoop-de-doo. You did. And uh, so you made a copy of the thing I own. That's fine. I didn't say you couldn't do that, but I still own that thing. The record reflects the fact that I own it. And any rights, credentials, whatever else that comes with owning that, that NFT belong to me. If the NFT has some kind of uh, ability, for example, to unlock the... Uh, the uh, I don't know the engine uh, of my of my car, then I'm still the only person who unlocks that engine, not not you with the right right click save copied 
picture of my car. That's a common common complaint about NFTs from people who don't quite get it. And uh, for the next few years, there'll be quite a few people like this who are going to be like, ha, ha, ha. And then, you know, in, in three years or so, they're going to be buying cars controlled by NFTs and they're going to be singing a very different tune. People seem to enjoy NFTs for their artistic quality as well as potential future utility. Now that we've explained some of the hype and function behind NFTs, we wanted to explore how difficult it is to buy one as an outsider. So I went through this experiment and I decided to find an NFT website to use and found OpenSea. It's a fairly large database where anyone can list their art as if it were eBay or Etsy, but in the digital space. There were so many options. There were virtual worlds and virtual art museums, but this seemed like a simple place to start. I went on to OpenSea, but to make an account, I had to set up a crypto wallet. So I got the Coinbase wallet app and created an account. There were many added security measures here, which is great. So I made a detailed password and saved the recovery key. Then the wallet was made. It was honestly quite simple at that point. I added a payment method and connected the wallet to my OpenSea account. There was so much unique and weird and strange art on this website. I had fun perusing through it all. However, when I went to purchase one, the many steps I had to go through were a bit complicated with the very little research I had done, which was on purpose for this experiment. I had to transfer the coins that I purchased on my wallet to the OpenSea account, and there was a huge transaction fee. I had to give $10 to the people who run ETH, only to get $16 added to my wallet. That's almost a 100% fee. Overall, I lost a decent amount of money because I didn't quite understand the fee system and did a few different transfers and they were incredibly high on that day. Needless to say, this is not a cryptocurrency buying tutorial. Please do your own research into the site you might want to use so that you don't run into any complications. In the end, I did get my small NFT and it was adorable. Plus, I was able to support an artist along the way. In my opinion, NFTs could be a fun hobby, but the evaluation is all over the place. Clearly, there are many players in this space, and many ways to lose money. From fees and the extremely volatile prices of cryptocurrencies, these are risky investments. But with NFTs, the investment can be even more unstable, as it's a piece of art, and beauty is in the eye of the beholder. One thing that sets NFTs apart from the physical art world is that when reselling one, a portion of the sale goes directly to the artist. Someone reselling a Monet gets to keep all of the profit rather than a portion of it going to Monet's estate. In the NFT space, artists had the potential to earn additional streams of revenue with every resale, giving them long-term security. We spoke with Ella, a cloud technical resident at Google, about her love of NFT art. I don't look at NFTs as like trade per se. Many people look at it like just stocks, right? I look at it like as, you know, you're owning a piece of art. Imagine someone has um, a passion for buying paintings, right? 
And I look at it that way, but also like an asset. So if, for example, in the future, I would need, you know, some money or something, I can buy, I can sell these, but you have to do research. It's not like you can just go in and say, ah, I like this. I want to get this because, and the reason for that is you have to like do research to make sure which artist's art is not, it's going to be appreciated over time and which artists, you know, worth paying for really. And that's, that's how like you have to decide on Nifty Gateway, 10% goes to the artist. So it doesn't matter how many times it's getting like bought and sold, bought and sold. The artist keeps making money that 10% and 5% is Nifty Gateway's price. So for example, if a piece is like uh, a thousand, if I sell it, I would only get 850 out of it because 5% goes to Nifty Gateway, 10% goes to the artist. And I'm fine with that because that's how the artist makes money. And if this keeps going on, like the artist can keep making good art and make sure their art is good because they know that this is how they make money. Artists are not really appreciated for what they do and they don't get a lot of money out of their work. So, you know, this way you're kind of helping this profession like kind of be better than what society has made it to be. This episode is not investment advice. These interviews were conducted over a year ago, and since then, the crypto market has seen a dramatic decrease in value, dubbed the crypto crash. This was partially fueled by the bankruptcy of the cryptocurrency investing platform FTX, whose top leadership mishandled investor funds and are currently under investigation by the US government. The demand for crypto seems to be going down, just as quickly as FTX got a branded stadium and a Super Bowl ad, they have come down. Does this signal the end of the cryptocurrency boom or a reshaping of the market? Crypto scams have existed since the market became popular. In what are called pump and dump schemes, influencers get their audience to buy a particular coin they have, artificially inflating the price. This allows them to sell their coins at the inflated price and make quick money before it immediately crashes. Allegedly, some of these schemes include Dink Doink, Save the Kids Token, Squid Game Coin, and more. In recent weeks, it was revealed that the NFT project CryptoZoo, started by YouTuber Logan Paul, which promised to provide thousands of unique animal hybrid art pieces, never worked and retail investors lost millions. In our interview with Mr. Schreer at the beginning of 2022, we asked his thoughts on crypto and NFT scams. Yeah, so that is definitely something that's part of the space. There is, um, there's a lot of, uh, terrible terrible things that happen so you know essentially uh, what's what happens there's there's a lot of fraud out there and uh, what's what lies at the heart of the, of any fraud is someone who makes promises that they cannot meet and at the time they're making these promises they know they're not going to meet them but they make them anyway so then you you have people who buy into these dreams because they sound so good it's like those devices you see on uh, on kickstarter right i'm going to build a flying car it's going to take off vertically, you know, it's just going to fly at the speed, faster than the speed of sound, whatever. And, um, and of course, you know, they look cool and people put their money into it and 
more often times than not, nothing gets delivered. Um, so, so that's terrible. And that's, that's something we definitely don't want to see. It brings the wrong kind of attention into the space. The other thing, as you mentioned, is, is, uh, is bad advertising practices, use of influencers, et cetera. Something I'm really proud to say that we never, uh, we never engaged in with Avalanche, but I've seen many of my competitors engage in. And so, uh, so those are all, uh, you know, un unfair or whatever, unwanted ways to sell things. And, um, uh, and generally, of course, there are cases where people um, essentially are, um, are in, in control of a huge percentage of the coins or NFTs or anything else. And they pump the price up, they manipulate the price maybe, and uh, get the price to go up, they dump the coins and, uh, and profit in the middle at the expense of retail investors. All of these are deeply unwanted behaviors. And uh, I don't know what to say other than they, they make me really, really sad because they turn people away from the space. And um, there's a, it's a, it's a two-sided dynamic. Let's, let's also be clear. So what happens on the retail side is uh, all sorts of bad thinking goes in and they go, okay, well, I want to get rich. I saw my cousin get rich off of Avalanche, you know? And, uh, and so I want to I invest in the next Avalanche. And so they find something, um, you know, let's go Avalanche or whatever it is, something, anything. And, uh, you know, and they think, oh, hey, this thing is cheap. And uh, the guy behind this is saying it's amazing, et cetera. And, um, but if you look carefully, you will see that it's, it's being, you know, it should be worth zero. There's nothing behind it. And the per person buying it hasn't done their homework and they just want to get rich quick without having done any due diligence. And so, um, so essentially, uh, you know, who, is, who should be there to protect these people from themselves? I don't know. In general, I, I'm not a big fan of regulators coming in. I'm a I'm fan of people actually being informed. And, uh, and so anyway, so here we are. Um, we've seen many, many, many pumps and dumps. Um, and uh, and they're, they're kind of common in the space. And I think the best, best way to inoculate the population against these is for, for you know, essentially people like you to um, inform everybody that this does happen. I'm glad you brought this up, and um, and that people should be should be wary. They should they should take claims with a grain of salt. Uh, there are some even in the top ten. There are coins that are making claims that are verifiably false. You know they're saying, oh hey, my system does so many transactions per second, but then they're counting those transactions in a funny way, and it's not the standard way to count transactions. So it's like a hundredfold higher than it should be. <laughs> you know, this kind of thing happens. So, uh, so buyer beware. You have to do your homework in the space, and uh, and if you don't, you you will part with your money. We also spoke with Mar, a cloud technical resident at Google who retail trades cryptocurrency. He adds, Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of. I would say like grifters and a lot of like scam artists, like preying on people in this space. And right now there's a lot of things that's like, it's kind of being propped up by like a fad almost, or like a lot of people kind of like, we're not really appreciating the underlying technology and are kind of using it as like, almost like a meme in itself. And I feel like that kind of hurts crypto's like adoption as people think of it as like a joke instead of like an actual, like serious technology that's actually pretty useful. The other big critique we see of cryptocurrency and NFT technology is its environmental efficiency. We asked Mr. Sreer about his opinion on this and if it's a problem. Absolutely. I am very, very concerned about cryptocurrency's impact on the environment. So first generation coins like Bitcoin and Ethereum um, 
they use these uh, these consensus protocols that are um, based on what we call proof of work. And um, proof of work requires the miners to constantly expend energy uh, to maintain the, the, the blockchain, the, uh, the ledger. And, um, uh, and in fact, this can consume enormous amounts of energy. At the moment, it's consuming about as, as much energy as Argentina. So about one to two percent of the world's electricity supply is going into maintaining Bitcoin, Ethereum and the other proof of work currencies. So this is crazy. It's absolutely abhorrent. We should not be doing this. Before we continue, it's important to provide some context. The environmental damage caused by cryptocurrencies is due to the unfortunate fact that one of the most fundamental aspects, keeping the concept afloat, is also the same weight slowly sinking it. This aspect, referred to as proof of work, is the complicated system which ensures that cryptocurrency and NFT blockchains are kept unhackable and always safely encrypted, a key element to their existence. Simply put, when a cryptocurrency or NFT transaction of any kind is made, whether it be selling or buying, it is the role of the volunteering computers across the network to solve the highly complex mathematical equations which encrypt the transaction within the blockchain. When a transaction is inputted into the system, all of the volunteering computers race to solve the equations. To ensure that hackers never infiltrate the system, the amount of computing power necessary to encrypt one block in the blockchain is kept artificially high in the effort of making it unviable for any cheating or hacking to occur. To compensate for the large amount of computing power necessary to encrypt a block, the first computer to solve the equation and verify the transaction is rewarded with enough cryptocurrency to slightly outweigh the computing cost. This process is called minting, and it is the means by which new cryptocurrencies and NFTs are created. The issue with minting arises when one considers its winner-takes-all nature. Since only the winning computer receives the cryptocurrency, then the efforts of every other computer are entirely lost. This lost effort adds up, with some estimates placing the wasted computing power lost in a single transaction around the amount of energy it would take to power the typical American home for six weeks. NFTs especially magnify this issue, as not only does the NFT itself have to be minted and have its transactions encrypted, but so does the cryptocurrency necessary to purchase it as well. This issue, however, being the most glaring example as to why NFTs and cryptocurrencies in general are unsustainable at a very literal level, has not been lost on many of the people working to develop modern blockchain technology. So, can we do better? Absolutely. So, these um, uh, recent uh, consensus protocols uh, that uh, came to be in the last few years, and Avalanche is one of them, they do not use proof-of-work mining. They do not require constant electricity usage to uh, keep up the, uh, the ledger. They require about one millionth to one billionth the energy requirements of Bitcoin. So, uh, so I'm really happy with, uh, with the latest advances in technology. I'm really happy about Avalanche. I would not have done Avalanche if it had required um, you know, proof-of-work and, uh, and, uh, and, and its concomitant uh, enormous energy uh, expenditure. 
Like Mr. Strier said, promising solutions to the issue of proof-of-work energy consumption do exist. One solution seems to be proving far better than all of its competitors, a green alternative to proof-of-work known as proof-of-stake. This is the concept behind Avalanche. Proof-of-stake removes the need for the artificially high amounts of power needed to ensure the security of a transaction and would rather have computers prove their security by staking some of their own cryptocurrency as collateral. They're basically betting some crypto for the chance to get some crypto. Such a technology would ensure that hacking a system is disadvantageous for the hacker, as by validating an illegitimate transaction, the malicious party would lose their initial stake. The most exciting aspect of proof-of-stake, however, is undoubtedly its reduction of the computational cost of creating new blocks, with one study by the CryptoCarbon Rating Institute determining that proof-of-stake would reduce current crypto energy consumption by 99.988%. So it seems that proof-of-stake systems like Avalanche have a big benefit to them, and the markets have already shown favor towards this promising new format. But does this mean that the other companies will make a change? Ah, great question. No, nothing is actually keeping them from switching over to Avalanche. They, they One could create a sub-network under Avalanche and uh, just shift all the balances from, say, Bitcoin to Avalanche. Um, but, uh, but I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. I would give it at least five years uh, because of, uh, of essentially religious and ego reasons. <laughs> Behind every one of these chains lies a, a developer community that is quite wedded to that technology. And for them to say, hey, everything we've been working on has been outdated and we will switch to a newer, better standard, that's, that takes quite a person. Right, it takes it takes the kind of person who can who can realize that they've been wrong, that that there are better things out there, and um, most people are not that person. You know, they they are they are they're they're just religiously attached to what they've been working on. They want it to keep going, and um, they're not going to admit any fault of the thing that they have invested. You know, their savings, their time, etc. So. I don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. Ethereum folks realize that their current system is absolutely horrible and uh, they keep on wanting to change, but their own technological roadmap for that change has not been, um, has not been very fruitful. And uh, so Ethereum 2 has been you know, in the making for many years now and uh, it's still uh, quite a while away. I think in a couple of years, this is going to change. People are going to soften down and realize, hey, there's a very rich space. There are many different ways to, uh, to approach this. And some of these approaches are clearly superior in every way compared to these older systems that came before them. And, you know, and, and technological progress becomes inevitable at some point. Um, so, but at the moment, we're in this religious, religious phase of, of tech and, uh, and I don't expect them to, to switch yet. Lastly, we would like to close with words of advice from our interviewees. Anybody who wants to make money off of NFTs, you know, my advice to them would be, well, you have to really be in tune with, um, with, with uh, the NFT loving crowd. Okay, so you really have to understand what makes NFTs interesting. You really have to understand, um, you know, momentum trading. 
uh, so that you can understand where people are, are flocking to so you can be one step ahead purchase while things are cheap sell them when they're they're uh, expensive so that's got to be part of the trading mindset that's one bit of advice especially to young people I would say by all means play with NFTs they're so cool to play with once you own them you get a sense for what it's like to own a digital good um, but my second piece of advice would be don't don't become a trader at uh, too young an age I mean you can make money you can make a bunch of money um, but but there are bigger games to play and um, so uh, so you should be playing those bigger games as opposed to you know, trying to eke out a little bit of a percent here, percent there from NFT trades. Third bit of advice would be find something you like. The picture is cool and you like owning it, then that's great. And if you don't mind paying whatever you paid for it, you know, then it's going to be, it's going to give you satisfaction the same way owning anything. You know, I have a bunch of knickknacks and trinkets at home. Uh, you know, they just kind of sit there. They just make me super happy. And uh, my profile picture makes me super happy. <laughs> it's, uh, it's like one of those things. I didn't pay much for it. And uh, and if that's what's going on with, for you, then, then no one can say anything negative about the whole, whole, whole affair. My, my biggest advice is instead of looking specifically into like, which cryptocurrencies I should invest in, look into what cryptocurrency is and think about why you'd want to invest it in the first place. I feel like a lot of people jump into like crypto to like get rich quick schemes. And I feel like if you view it like that, it'll, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? You'll jump into something like, you know, the Shiba coin. It, it doesn't really have much use case other than it's like popular. And I feel like if you jump into stuff like that and then, you know, maybe something you get hurt by it, you might view crypto differently than you, sh you should have, you know? What is the future of cryptocurrency? As of now, in January 2023, crypto is crashing, and it seems the NFT bubble might have burst. In my opinion, the technology is interesting and seems to have a variety of use cases. But as of now, it's an extremely risky investment with a lot of bad actors. And until these coins can really reduce their environmental impact, I think it's ethically challenging to get involved. And with that, this has been State of the Pod. Special thanks to Mr. Schreer for speaking with us and gifting us two NFTs. And thank you to the Milstein Program and Investigative Biology Department at Cornell University for our recording equipment and software.